Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. This is a show you didn't think was going to happen. Well, I, I wasn't sure it was going to happen because four in a row, right? Three or four, but we're not doing a show next week. But you know, we were concerned about this week because you spent the week on the convention circuit. I was speaking at a conference, and then I had a second conference to attend. You made the convention circuit. It was not the circuit. Two is hardly a circuit. I think you have to have at least three to be a circuit. You went there and back. I think what he means is that Sector 1 was like the first convention. Sector 2 was the second convention. And then Sector 3 was whatever the heck you were doing in Chicago. That was the second convention. The other things that you were doing in Chicago. That was dinner. Yeah, that was Sector 3. Where did I get to deploy my DRS? <laughs> the dinner part, because that, that was just a nice straightaway well, down there. You were supposed to deploy the DRS to get to the train station, and you patently refused. We didn't miss our train. True. And I stopped and helped tourists. True. I did a good. You, you, you refused to deploy your DRS. Only because I had also, I was, you know continuing to work on the same tires I had started that trek on and you joined halfway through my journey. I had older tires than you did on the journey towards the train. You know, you could have also deployed the DRS since I was actually pretty close by to like the train station and headed on over to where I was so I could drive you both home. That would have been lovely, but you had refused to drive us home and left us stranded at the train station. You never even asked. So, alas, now that we have lost the remaining person in our audience, we can actually have a show now, right? Okay. I'm still here. <laughs> so, we had this week word of the return from an undisclosed location. They let him out of a basement somewhere. Well... Wherever he was hiding from Ron Dennis's vengeance. Well, that's really sad. Because that's really what happened. Is he, you know, Ron Dennis came back to McLaren and Martin Whitmarsh just suddenly disappeared. Well, didn't he go on like permanent gardening leave? Well, no, it was just all of a sudden we stopped seeing him at races. We stopped hearing anything from him. He just, there was no announcement that he was no longer a part. He just disappeared. Well, he's gone for a stretch. Okay, so he's no longer tied up in Ron Dennis's basement. Well, he he. It sounds like Martin Whitmarsh escaped from Ron Dennis's basement, possibly a year or two ago. Okay, because he was leading. Apparently, what he's been doing the last couple of years, um, among other things, um, was leading the Ineos um, sailing team. Oh, the America's Cup team. I think we even talked about that at one point. Possibly like a year or so ago. You know, when, like when he joined. Around the time that he escaped from Ron Dennis's basement. The yes. dungeon, as it were. Which, by Which the way, is completely, spotless. Completely different than Eddie Jordan's basement, where yes. you know the Aston Martin team actually currently has their facilities. Ron, Ron Jordan. Ron Jordan. Wow. Ron, Ron Dennis's dungeon. Is completely spotless. And a very specific, what, 62 degrees? 62 degrees. It is white. 
There's no dust or cobwebs. He, he lights it because, you know, thinking about modern technology and a modern approach instead of torches, he uses LED lighting. Ah. Energy efficient LED lighting. Probably all solar. Uh, well, driven. no, it, that, that was what, what uh, Martin was doing down in the basement to keep himself in the dark is he had to power them. He was on the bicycle. Oh, so he's in was, great shape. That was how that worked. Anyway, Martin Whitmarsh has returned. Um, the other thing that he was doing, by the way, is Lewis Hamilton's commission that he set up, or is it a commission or a foundation, that he set up to promote diversity and equality in auto sports. Um, Martin was heading up the, the that effort for Lewis. Excellent. Um, but Martin is back. Um, he has been named by Lawrence Stroll as the new Group Chief Executive Officer of Aston Martin Performance Technologies. Oh, so he's gone from um, Ron Dennis's basement to out in the open, back down to Eddie Jordan's basement. Well, well they're coming out of Eddie Jordan's basement. He's leading the team of the Exodus out of Eddie Jordan's basement. But good thought. And um, actually, if you think about what this is... He's not actually running the Formula One team totally. So what he's been put in charge of, and he might actually be at the Aston Martin factory as opposed to in Eddie Jordan's basement, is um, Lawrence Stroll has decided, just like Williams Advanced Engineering, just like McLaren Technologies, uh, McLaren, I think it's Advanced Technologies or Applied Technologies. Applied. uh, Applied Technologies. Um, Lawrence Stroll has decided to stand up a separate technology entity. Because essentially that's the only way you make money in Formula One. You know, I'm not sure it's so much a matter of making money in Formula One. Well, that may have been the initial thought when it came to Williams's approach, when it came to uh, McLaren's approach, um, especially because as the few standardized components that came out there for... Um, gearbox controls and electronics and things of that nature both Williams and McLaren got those deals Mm -hmm. but they also use that to leverage into other areas and we've talked about this in the past of how Williams took and and I know one of the more common things that Williams likes to promote is um, the aerodynamic technologies that they use to promote um, energy efficiency in the coolers in the supermarkets correct in england but there's another area that they looked at so if you remember i think it was 2013 or 2014 williams had a string of disastrous pit stops correct possibly culminating with them putting the wrong tire on valtteri bodas's car that he had three tires that was one hardness and one that was a completely different one yes and i think he wound up with a penalty for that oh or yeah something. he got a big penalty you're not allowed to do that um, and I was in spa one year that right. that happened. Um, and then realizing that their pit, their pit stops had gotten so bad, they had gone on a massive campaign to improve how they organized in the pit lane, what they did, how it all worked, how it functioned, what the roles were, all of those things. And then the next year got like all but two of the DHL fastest pit stop awards. Exactly. They, they've taken those practices and applied them to NICU units in the UK. 
Oh, that is so, and that is such a cool thing that they did. Yeah, and, and it's mapping out the, these are the various zones and who's in this zone and who works in this area and who works in that area and what their roles are and all of those things to speed up those efforts and those are That's the kind of thing that these groups do. Really cool, out-of-the-box thinking for engineering and technology that takes what they're using in Formula One and applies it to the world outside, which is very, very cool. Um, And like I said, it is the area that tends to be the application or the way to make money Mm -hmm. when truthfully, there's not a Formula One team out there that'll tell you it's a money-making adventure. You know, it's it can be yeah. helpful for branding across their entire organization. It can raise their status. But the Formula One team as a whole, they don't tend to make enough money off the prize money to offset all the expenses to run the team, well, even at the highest levels. Th- there's some other thought that, we may see more teams go down this road of spinning up this secondary applied technology type group, independent from the Formula One team, but still sharing something. Correct. And the thought process, the the thought behind this and the, the theory that's going on is that this may be a way to get around the cost cap because... If the, the, the research and spending is happening at an entity that is not the Formula One team and the Formula One team is just buying those technologies or those components from this technology entity, as long as the prices that the team is paying keeps it under the cost cap, that could be a way around the cost cap around some of this engineering that's a theory. We don't know if that's the case, but that could be a way around this. It could be very interesting. Now, back to the Formula One world. We should note that Martin, our friend Martin, <laughs> is also going to be Otmar's boss. Yeah, that's the thing. Is Aston Martin Performance Technologies is actually um, over the Formula One team. So there's another little, like thread running through the punditry world that says that this is a way to push Otmar out is that bring Martin in mm-hmm. over Otmar and do the transition. I don't know how real that is given the the additional technology side. I don't know if Martin Whitmarsh actually wants to be a team principal again or if he and Otmar can work really well together. But it is interesting to see that the racing team is a division of the Whitmarsh Whitmarsh universe. Yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on this one to see how this plays out and whether or not, you know, it's one of those situations where we start to see less of Otmar and more of Martin or if Martin stays in the background because he's truly leading this group and letting the team function. But that's something I think we're going to have to keep an eye on. I'm personally drawing the entire Aston Martin org chart in pencil right now. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So also, while we're talking about um, personnel moves and changes and stuff like that, 
Haas has confirmed their lineup for 2022. Uh, it will be Mick Schumacher and the Russian neutral athlete. <laughs> or the neutral athlete from Russia. Your choice. Yes. Is that all we're going to call him? Nikita Mazza mistake. Oh. No, it's Mazaspin. But he Mazza was a mistake. Spin. He was a big mistake. Yeah, but he's a mistake that comes with a lot of money, so I think he's more of a Mazza spin. And they're not necessarily thinking it's a mistake since they've kept him for another year. Well, that's because Daddy's money yes. has bought his seat, for not the, because he's performed well. For the Russian neutral athlete. Yeah. Just thought we'd have to remind everybody of that. You know, since this is the weekend, we went to the Russian neutral Grand Prix. Oh, <laughs> but also, oh. you know, one thing to note is I don't think that this Russian neutral athlete has a grandstand named after him, unlike our friend Daniel Kvyat. Yeah, and apparently Danny is out from the gulag. Um, But he he had a black eye. He did have a black eye, but he was making the rounds in his current role as reserve and development driver for Alpine. Mm. But yeah... He he's got a black eye. We're we're not entirely sure what's that what that's from, um, and he didn't realize apparently that you could still see it. Oh, I like to believe that Nikita punched him. Possibly. I do find it interesting how the Haas cars, like on the <coughs> little front wings, the color arrangement is very similar to that of the Russian flag. Yes, we yes, talked but it's about n- that at the beginning of the year. But that's not the Russian flag. Remember, they cannot have the Russian flag. So any similarities are entirely imagined. But These the, are the brand colors for Eurocali, the title sponsor. And the fact that it looks exactly like the Russian flag is pure coincidence. It's Eurocali colors. Are you sure that it's not just because it, Eurocali happens to be a Russian company? Okay. But it's purely... This has been investigated by the... Uh, World Motorsport Council and the Anti-Doping Agency and the, what is it, the International Council, or, or the, the Council for International Sport. It, it's been investigated because they're not supposed to be displaying the Russian flag and it was ruled as legitimate. We did talk about that at the beginning of the season. Okay. It's a coincidence. But, but again, this weekend was the Russian neutral Grand Prix. Didn't they just keep referring to it as the Sochi Grand Prix? They, they might have this year. I think that was the way they referred to it. But anyway. Um, you know, I, I, I got to say, this year, you know, Russia tends to be... There, there's two things about Russia. One is it tends to not be a great race. Not Almost this a, year. And, and this year, for the second time, we've gone to somewhere that historically has not been a great race and we've gotten a really good race out of it i know but the the other thing about russia this year that really struck me and and it's something that we've seen in other years too when it comes to russia for some reason and i don't know why something happens and and a race plays out in a way that pundits and fans and teams are are saying we really want to see this we really want this to happen. This is what's going to make the racing better. This is, you know, they would talk about 
back in, in in the first couple of years that we had Russia, we had the high degradation tires and a lot of pit stops and everyone complained and said, well, you know, if we had tires that didn't degrade, we'd get better racing because the drivers could push. And then Russia came around and we had this race where the tires didn't degrade and man, it was boring. Right. And we, we had, there was some something else that, that had occurred around this. And I think it was that they could take... Uh, adjust the downforce to take corners differently and if only that would make things better and we found that drivers couldn't follow and it didn't lead to a great race and instead we got to see in in the three laps that they actually deigned to show up at the race bernie eccleston and vladimir putin in the vip booth looking down at the crowd going are you not entertained we weren't (laughs) this year however you know we've been saying and and honestly this really was us saying, if they only we only had a time where the field didn't get spread out, mm-hmm. and that the cars would race, and that everybody was close, we'd have a good race, and we'd have a lot of action, we'd have a lot of activity, and it would be exciting. And holy cow, it happened this year. It really did. It, holy cow, it happened this year. Now, I will say that there was a culmination of a lot of factors that all happened at once yeah we have i don't fully understand how they happened well we can go through that really quickly and easily we had a very wet qualifying which put people out of position we had an un inordinate number of people that took grid penalties to replace engines max was at the back botas was at the back um so we had a bunch of people so wait it was almost a reverse grid well, they talked about the fact that it was going to be like we, a reverse we had grid. Max at the back. We had Charles Leclerc at the back. We had, and actually it was Max, Charles Leclerc, Nick Latifi. Right. And then after Latifi was Valtteri Bottas. Correct. We had all of those people at the back. And then we had the front. We had the next generation of new drivers were all the first three. Mm-hmm. We had Norris and Sainz and Russell. Followed by Hamilton and then Ricardo. Right. So everybody was generally kind of, quote, out of place. Mm. So that started us off on the race. Then we had a will they, won't they, uh, will it, won't it rain situation. And Martin Brundle said, guys, you got to pay attention to the end of this race because here's the other thing that happened. No, we did not have Martin Brundle this weekend. Who did we have? We had David Croft and Paul DeResta. It was David Croft that said that then. Um, oh, the other thing that we had was because we had a wet qualifying, we had free choice of tires yes. on the grid. So you had about half the grid start off with the hard tires and half the grid start off with the medium tires. And they were all going to go to the other one at some point to make it a one-stop race. Mm-hmm. So it was the gamble of, do you <clears throat> go long in the beginning so that you have fresher tires, but the medium tires weren't holding up real well on this track? The hards were the ones you wanted to be on because when they came into themselves, they did really, really well and they lasted. The mediums weren't going to do that. Or did you get rid of the mediums faster and take the hards on knowing that the hards are going to be at the end of their life at the end of the race? And you know, that's something that nobody remarked on this year because in previous years, tire degradation had been so low at this track that the preferred tire was the soft. And I think at one year it was the snuggle bear tire. (laughs) And even then, they were struggling to get it worn out enough to actually need to replace it. Right. So the fact that 
we were st- yeah we were running the softer compounds but the soft tire was not the tire that anybody wanted to be running on for a race tire it and they were really talking kind of unusual for Russia. And they were talking through the race that it was going to be a, a deg race. That was, mm-hmm. it was going to be about degradation. Now, part of that, I mean, we got to go back to that rain that happened in Crawley. Because of the rain, all of the rubber that got laid down on Friday during gone. was gone. So they were relaying rubber, and all even though they had a Formula Three race and a Formula Two race prior to the Formula One race. Those guys take different lines. So while they're laying rubber, they're not necessarily laying rubber where the Formula One guys need it mm-hmm. fully. So we have a fresher truck that was going to be burning in throughout the race, just as the fuel loads were going to be lessening up. And we had this mixed group of, we had people out of place, mixed tire strategies happening because everybody had free choice, which I honestly think is not a bad thing by the way, of the things that they could do to make Formula One better, free choice That's could fair. be an interesting little game changer. And then you had rain in the final laps of the race. So you had all of these things happening. But before the rain happened, and, and there was comments about this during, of we're not seeing the field stretch out. Correct. Everybody is staying bunched up. And, you know, yeah, there were some DRS trains that were happening. And, and, and at one point, I think one of the DRS trains was like eight cars long. But the guy at the front of the train wasn't pulling out. And that was unusual. But they, but there's a reason for that. The fastest cars weren't in the front. That's what happened. So, so does this mean that you have an interest in a reverse grid? Not in the slightest. <laughs> But here's the thing. When Carlos Sainz beat Norris off the line and he took off, Mm -hmm. he wasn't the fastest car on the track. But what the the domino is, is the cars that were faster, they were in dirty air. So it started to level things out, which is what caused those DRS trains. Okay. And, you know, we saw, okay, we had Sainz up front and then we had a series of Mercedes. All of them have the same engine modes. All of them have the same abilities to do things. They're a really great engine. But different arrow. But different arrow. So they're all causing turbulence in the air behind them. Hamilton, who is an excellent driver, as we know, couldn't pass Ricardo because he couldn't get out of, you know, he couldn't get a good slipstream enough to get out of the dirty air enough to get past him. So he's fighting that. So that's causing your DRS trains. That's keeping people bunched up. And that's something David Croft did talk about was that because we had the slower car in the front, all of these faster cars were struggling to come up through through the pack. And yes, Verstappen went last to second, but he was having to come through that pack also. I mean, it's an interesting, it was an interesting mix. It caused an interesting race. It definitely it was predicted before the rain was even a factor that we were going to see excitement in the last few uh, laps. It was, but you know, I, I don't want to get too deep into that because I first want to talk about the engine penalties. Oh, okay. And that all happened before the race started because there were there was a bit of gamesmanship going on around those engine penalties. Was there? Yeah. So first of all, we had Max Verstappen and Red Bull announce very early that they that Max was going to take an engine penalty. The first one and he already had a three place grid penalty, so then to take the engine penalty and they expected Mercedes to be strong at this one. They were 
yielding this to Mercedes. Not long after that, Ferrari announced that they were taking an engine penalty. And then things were kind of quiet and settled in and and it didn't look like there was going to be much else going on because all this happened before qualifying. So there's a lot of question of, you know, how much were we actually going to see the two of them in qualifying because they were starting at the back of the grid. But the way this was set up to be was that because Max declared first, he was going to be last and Leclerc would be ahead of Max. No. Remember the way it works. It's you go in order. So you go to the back of the grid in the order that you declare. So the first person that declares goes to the back of the grid. The second person that declares goes to the back of the grid. No, it does not. That's why Mercedes and that's why Williams did exactly what they did. It's not that way. But here's the other piece of the puzzle is Max already also had to take a three grid penalty. So he would have, in order to have been able to come in front of Clark and they did, Leclerc, they did talk about this. He would have had to have beaten Leclerc in qualifying by a certain number of grid spots. Right. But... Leclerc was behind Botus and was behind Latifi. The next person to declare after Leclerc, and it happened during qualifying, was Williams and Nick Latifi due to a pressure issue. They announced that they were replacing an engine. Okay. And then after qualifying, Mercedes announced that Valtteri Botus was taking a new engine. Now, what was curious about this decision with Valtteri Bottas was that, one, he took an engine last week. Yes. Monza. Brand new engine. Um, and two, the press release that Mercedes put out to announce that, that he was taking the engine stated that it was being done for tactical reasons. Not because of a failure, not because of a problem, not because of anything else, but they stated they were doing it for tactical reasons. And this would put him back just ahead of Max. So the theory was that he was going to hold Max up. Well, that was, I don't know if it was a theory, but it was one of the questions was, was that the tactical reason for this? Was this so that in an attempt to hold Max back in the pack and cost Red Bull further points and that somehow Valtteri could manage the gains that Max could have. Mm -hmm. Some of the follow-up reporting, and and this is where, yeah, I would say that that's a possibility. Um, The other thing is if they were truly concerned about reliability and spares although I don't know why they would do this with Valtteri and not have thought about it with Lewis well by doing this it gives Mercedes not one but two extra engines to play with for Valtteri through the end of the season Mm -hmm. because keep in mind just because you run an engine in a race 
doesn't mean that you can't revert back to it. And if you turn around and you replace that engine with another one, you can still revert back to an older engine without any problems. So they can manage the mileage off of these two engines. And this idea being that, you know, the more mileage you put on one of these engines, the bigger hit it has in a performance, having an additional engine could give them additional flexibility in the, you know, as they're working towards a constructor's championship. There's that possibility. But apparently in some of the reporting that was done and the follow-up that was done after qualifying, it sounds like there actually was a concern with Valtteri's engine from Monza. The reporting is saying that Valtteri did not run qualifying on that engine in Monza. He went back to an older engine. They supposedly, Mercedes actually did find a problem with that engine that had them pull it during one of the practice sessions. And they were holding off on running it again, pending an inspection back in the UK. Mm. So there may actually have been something that concerned them about that new engine. Wow. Which is sad because it was really strong in Monza. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, I mean that's the question is, is there really an issue? What's the game that's actually being played here? And we don't know. So there's that. Um, now you want to talk about the rain and the race and how this wrapped up. Oh, you want to talk about the last laps? Well, that's where you were headed and that's what you were looking for. Oh. No, I was just talking about you. You said, I don't know what all the things that fed into this were. And I was outlining all of the things that fed into what gave us a good race. A in... reverse grid. No. A reversed grid. No. A reversed grid. It won't work. Anyway. So at the end of the day, we have... Sainz pulls out in front of Norris off the line. An incredibly mm-hmm. great start. We build this DRS chain. Hamilton drops back behind Ricardo. Things he are, got swallowed up. He got swallowed. Things are looking rough for, for Hamilton. Um, and then we have a series of pit stops, and Hamilton keeps going. And they're talking about, you know, the rain's kind of looking like it's going to come. They have his series of pit stops um and and by the time the rain came hamilton had pitted once already he had pitted and he had been pitted and put on hard tires mm-hmm. um he i mean they had the they they pulled the dummy out to get perez yeah. to blink <laughs> um perez blinked they had a bad pit stop i mean all of these things were happening all these really great Things that throw wrenches into the planet. By the way, speaking of pit stops, that change, whatever happened about the automated system... It is having an impact. It is actually having an impact. And that's incredible. And I have to give them a thumbs up for that because I thought, how much of an impact could it make? It's obvious that it was they were relying and on it. Several, it wasn't just Red Bull. Several teams struggled with this new system. Exactly. Um, so <clears throat> things are starting to shake out. We got some hard tires we got um some front runners that are not have not taken any pit stops because they started out on hards rain's coming in and 
all of a sudden you have to make a decision. Do you go to enters or do you go to, you stay on slicks? And that was the decision that had to be made. Mm -hmm. And where- Is it going to get worse? How bad is it going to get? And where we had qualifying where Russell and Norris and Sainz all made that call exactly right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Russell getting the radio message on the the air and everything of prepare the inners because I'm going to need them. Um, or prepare the the slicks and Hamilton got it wrong Hamilton's pit wall said you need to come in for enters and he told him no mm-hmm. and, and even when, when they brought him in he argued mm-hmm. and he does that we, mm-hmm. we know he, he he talks back to his strategists and all of that but he argued and it it came back to the rain's gonna get worse we're and, watching it. And and that's the big difference, it sounds like, between what happened with Lewis and what happened with Lando. Is that Lewis turned around and said no, and Mercedes radioed back and said, it's going to get worse. You need to come in. Mm-hmm. However, McLaren told Lando that they thought it was going to stay the same. And Lando, Lando made the decision that... Well, if it's going to stay the same, I'm staying out. Right. And I got to hang it out there mm-hmm. on that way. Now, do you remember, and I just don't, this is an honest question. I don't have the answer to it. Toto got on the radio with Lewis at one point and said, we're fighting. We're going to win this. He, or we can said, win this. He said, there's a chance to win. You can still win this. And it was before the rain came. Oh, yeah. All right. So my theory is that they were, I mean, they were obviously watching the rainstorm earlier. And I think that that's what Toto was seeing because he was pushing. He was pushing, but no. So because, and and the main thing is they didn't know, they didn't know what the rain was going to look like. They didn't know if it was going to hold off. They didn't know if it was going to come in and they didn't know how heavy it was because it really was a worst case scenario for the teams of do you come in do you gut it out is it going to get hard enough what's the surface going to do um but no at that point it was to encourage lewis to try and run lando down in the event that it stayed dry and with the expectation that they would be able to continue that chase in the dry and lewis came back and said at the end of the race that yeah, if it hadn't rained, he probably would not have been able to catch Lando. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> Lewis does come in and box. He Somewhere in the fight, he winds up nailing the lap to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the team originally wanted him to come in a lap sooner. Yes. Um, Maybe two. And I think that by... With the argument, he nailed it. The The argument caused the nailing of the lap to come in on. He came in. He got enters. He wasn't the only one that came in and got enters. But he went from a 25-second deficit behind Norris and was... I haven't seen a deficit drop that quickly before. Oh, I mean, every time they changed the, the thing, it was dropping by four or five seconds. Mm-hmm. And... We're looking at this going, they've got three, he's got three laps to make up 25 seconds. And at one point, the pundits, uh, David Croft said, he Norris could lose six seconds a lap and still be okay. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he can he can gut this yeah. out. And the rain came down hard enough that he lost more than six seconds a lap. Well, it came down so bad that Lando spun off the track. Mm-hmm. And that, that was what finally did him in. So he came off the track and it dropped from about 14, 12 or 14 seconds to four seconds. And then Lando went off the track and spun. And that's when Lewis took the lead at that point. Um and at that point, Max was in third. So and and Lando instantly radioed in is like, yeah, this is like full wets. I can't. I've got to come in, otherwise I'm gonna have a crash. And the team was, yep, we're ready for you. Come in, let's do this, let's go. Um, and that was where we had the next issue for Lando, because on his way in, his traction was so bad, the track was so wet, he actually skidded out of the pit lane out of the the entrance to the pit back onto the track and had to slither back in the problem is when you cross that white line that's a penalty Mm -hmm. um and yuki sonoda got it's supposed to be i think it's 15 seconds that you're supposed to get that penalty um give me one sec five second penalty so it's a five second penalty for crossing that line so obviously, and, and it was blatant. I mean, you, you, and it was blatant in the fact that he clearly did it. Well, he clearly did it, but you know he didn't meet. It was right. not an intentional right. thing. But it wasn't one of those things of, well, he was just kind of hovering over the line and the sensor kind of flipped. No, it, it was very clearly that the car went over the line, into the track, onto the racing line, and then came back over. However, the stewards reviewed it. They did not assess him in penalty. So Lando came out of the pits and actually ended up finishing the race in seventh, which is, it's a shame. Yeah. But the stewards in reviewing it said that they took into account that on the previous lap, the driver of car four had passed through turn 17 adjacent to the pit entry at a relatively high speed without loss of control. During the ensuing lap, the conditions deteriorated rapidly and were varied in different parts of the circuit. The driver slowed considerably on entering the pit entry with his speed approximately half of his normal pit entry entry speed, but still lost control and slid across the painted area between a pit entry and the track. Although obviously the driver chose to remain out on the track on hard compound slick tires when others chose to change to intermediates and therefore sought to gain an advantage in retaining his race position, we do not consider that the crossing of the painted area was intentional or predictable in the circumstances. And that's, I think that that's completely and utterly fair. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't an error in that or that, oh, I'm going to go in. No, I'm not going to go in, which is mm-hmm. the whole reason for that penalty. It wasn't that. It was he slid. He, the conditions were such that he didn't have great control of his car. And he was trying to keep it safe and keep it and go where he needed to go. So, yeah, I mean, it sucks that he went through it. It sucks that he finished seventh. I mean, he owned that race. I mean, but between him and Carlos, both of them had done such a great job for that race. It's sad where they wound up ending up, but it's, that's racing. Well, Carlos ended up on the podium, though. Yes. I mean, yeah, it it wasn't, well... He only he lost a position. 
he lost a position. So, so. not not. But he so had to bad come for, back and fight for that. He did, but at one point, Ferrari said, "Yeah, the best you're, we see you getting is fifth. So, not all of that bad. There was a graphic that somebody had put up um, that was the starting grid at the beginning and the finishing grid with the lines crossing as to where they all ended up and how that. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a spaghetti. It is. I mean, they dropped in so many different ways and. Like you said, there were DRS chains, so there mm-hmm. was there was actually passing on the track. But we cannot talk about this race without mentioning the stat that happened. Lewis Hamilton won his 100th Grand Prix. I was wondering which one because I was I was going to talk about graphics and some st- some stats that were pulled up that frustrated me. What stats frustrated you? So. And, and, and I've seen this happen more and more this year of, you know, we're watching a battle. They're covering a battle. We're following a, a battle. And really, the best indicator we have of how that battle is going is watching those gaps and watching those times. And we're looking for that information and we're following that information. And Formula One will turn around and show us what tires everybody. How many pit stops have taken? How many positions have been gained? You know what? I don't care if they've gained two positions or they've lost one right now. I want to know what the gap is. Okay, so I I called Stefano. I complained. And you know what he told me? Stop calling me? Well, after. Who are you? <laughs> that was definitely. How did you get my number? <laughs> this is an unlisted phone number. <laughs> How many times did he hang up on you? He didn't. But what he told me after he told me I was never to call him again and that there was, he was going to report me to the police. But it's beside the point. Um, Anyway, for stalking, apparently. Um, Anyway, Stefano told me that they he does not care what you want to see that you should buy the formula one television app where you can have live timing so that i can pay for them not to show me the graphics i want to see. no because if you have live timing you can choose oh, that that is what stefano's point if was only we watched the race live if only we lived in a time zone where it was not in the middle of our night well it, the, the truth is the european season is not in the middle of our we just have to get up early. Er. Earlier because we'd have to... See, here's the thing. The thing. So we like to watch the, the Sky Sports... Um, Grand Prix Sunday. Yes, Grand Prix Sunday. Especially now that we get the full thing. You're right. But if we watch it live, we have to sit through the commercials. Which we don't like to do. You know, it'd be one thing if we were watching the original English commercials... Because they can be kind of entertaining. Well, until they're underwear talking. That's yeah. That, that that one was a little weird. But that wasn't Formula One. That was of all things. I think that was um, oh, Bake Off. Yeah, it wasn't it was, Bake Off. I think. I think it was one of the like. It was um, either Bake Off or it was the Great Pottery Throwdown. No, it was Bake Off. I remember. It yes, was, it was Bake Off. It was. On, ba- it was the first season on Channel Four. Oh yeah. We had Bake Off with the talking underwear. That was just creepy. That, that was... one, it taught me some very important lessons that I still apply to my day-to-day life. Great. Let's not share them. <laughs> anyway. 
you know, if it was the original UK commercials, I, I, I'd be okay with watching the commercials, um, especially for some of the car commercials because they get some cool cars over there. But you wanted to see the GoDaddy commercial, which, which, oh, oh, the, the bag bike the shop, bike shop. Slash, slash cafe slash, slash coffee shop. Yes, yes, or the plaster one. No, the bike shop one. It's the bike shop one. That was that was on Great Pottery Show. Throw down. And then later on, they made it into a plaster one too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. we'd have to watch the commercials. We by watching it time shifted and starting it at the normal time or, or our normal time, which is usually forty five minutes to an hour after it started. We get to fast forward through all of those commercials. But then we miss the start of the race. No, we don't miss the start of the race. We've never missed the start of the race. No. We miss the... It it lies. We have to watch the race. Yeah, then we continue to watch the race time shifted. Correct. The issue is is that we miss a lot of like the discussions that the commentators are having. And sometimes they're having some really fascinating stuff being discussed. So the proper order of events is to watch Grand Prix Sunday followed by the race. Mm-hmm. If we were going to watch the race live, we'd have to watch Grand Prix Sunday after the race because of the fact that we still would want to watch Grand Prix Sunday. Right. Time shifted so that we don't have to watch But then it would be kind of weird to watch Grand Prix Sunday after the race because then stuff has happened. And, and you, you know, know the future. You, yeah. And it's just weird. So the needless- foreshadowing doesn't work well at all then. I'm just telling you what Stefano told me when I called him. He's wrong. Apparently my number is now they, blocked. So I need to borrow your cell phone the next time I call him. You know, I could probably, since I seem to have a good way of doing it, I could probably ask him out to lunch tomorrow. Yeah, you could. I'm sure that he will fly in just for that. I'm, I'm sure of it. I, I've had lunch with like all kinds of different people. Vettel has offered to go out with lunch with me one time. Perez, Stroll. Did Vettel ask you in the original German or did he ask you in English? Um, there was some translating happening. I don't know. What, what I heard from Seb was, was um, this. Oh, I'm out. Crash. Somebody hit me in the rear. Turn two. And then somebody hit me in the again in turn three for sake honestly what the are we doing here that was from the angry sub days it was anyway so lando wasn't the only one who had to have a chat with the stewards oh yeah so uh lance stroll one of the guys i occasionally have lunch with had in uh, a little normal stroll driving incident with Pierre Gasly. Did he hit Gasly? Yep. This was during the rain, so it was like... Oh, so he spun Gasly around. Yes. And what happened was, was that he had to go visit the stewards, and they said, you're getting a 10-second penalty added to your race, as well as two more points to your license. How many points does he have in his license? Eight. Ooh. Four more and he he misses a race. Ooh. So what the, the stewards report said, although noting the evidence, excuse me, um, the stewards heard from the driver of car 18, Lance Stroll, and the driver of car 10, Pierre Gasly, and team representatives reviewed the video evidence and determined that the driver of car 18 was 
wholly to blame for the collision with car 10 at turn 8. That makes him very happy to read. Although noting the evidence of the driver of car 18 that the conditions were extremely slippery, especially as he was on old hard tires, the stewards determined that it was still the responsibility of the driver to ensure that having left the track due to those very same conditions, he drove appropriately, taking them into account when he rejoined and turned into the next corner, considering there were two other cars in close proximity. So Lance tried to play bumper cars. Well, he, he basically they said he should have exerted more due care to avoid playing bumper cars. And that he did not do that. Well, four more points. Four more points. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I see him getting more points, but, you know, we, we haven't had a driver get banned yet. I don't think it's going to happen. Not yet. And quite frankly, I think Mazepin deserves it more than Stroll this year. So Pirelli has been put under a bit of pressure about the tires. What? And rain and everything that's been going on. You know, especially in light of Spa and this decision not to run the race. There's been a lot of talk of, you know, Jean Todd coming up and saying that, you know, Formula One needs to develop and design cars that can perform in the rain and there's been a lot of talk of well you know three four five years ago we'd run in much heavier rain and it wasn't an issue and why can't we do it now and what's the problem and so and and some of the fingers have been pointed at the tires okay and pirelli being told well why don't you just make better tires in order to go and run in the rain and actually Mario Izola says that, yeah, that won't fix the problem. Okay, why not? So what he said specifically was, I've talked to many people after spa because obviously nobody wants to see again another spa with people waiting for hours and then nothing is going to happen. On the tire side, there is very little we can do because the tires are designed to guarantee the crossover between the full wet and the intermediate. And moving this design target is not ideal because then you can create a gap. Also, in any case, and in any case, also making a tire that is more able to disperse water. If you disperse water, the water is flying and the visibility becomes worse and worse. So we are not fixing the issue. We are probably making the issue worse. He says he doesn't know what they can do in terms of the tires. But he also says that part of the problem is that in 2016, Formula One rolled out wider tires. And the wider tires are making the problem worse. Well, that makes some sense. Because if you think about it, the whole goal of the intermediates and the wets is to move water out from underneath them Mm -hmm. and to shed it. And it's got to go... I mean, the water doesn't disappear. Right. So what he said was that the fact... That in 2017, we have introduced the wider tires has also increased the water that is flying. The old wet was able to disperse 60 liters per second at 300 kilometers an hour. And now we are going up to 85. Oh, wow. He says, unless we find a way to block the water and avoid that it's spraying, sprayed and limiting visibility, I really don't know what we can do. I honestly don't have a solution for that. So it's a real conundrum of dispersing water. They're really good at dispersing the water, but 
by dispersing the water, you're creating more spray. Right. Which, that's the reality of what's so dangerous is you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and the, I'm sorry. I looked at those conditions at Spa. They were they, bad. They, they, they could have had water skis on those cars. They probably shouldn't have run. And, you know, there was a risk that Russia was going to get rained out too. Um, Wednesday, this past Wednesday, several of the garages were flooded out due to the rain. Wow. So there was a lot of question as to whether or not the track was going to be ready for the race this weekend. I'm glad it was. And especially since Lewis has retaken the championship lead. That's all that matters to you. You know... No, you know what matters to me? What matters to me is that I am more than 100 points ahead in Fantasy GP. That's where you want... Actually, you know, you, you mentioned Lewis. And this weekend, yes, he had his 100th win. And it was an amazing race. But if you look at the weekend overall... It wasn't a great weekend for Lewis. No, it wasn't. It was, he wasn't on the tops of anything, really. He he wasn't on the tops. And and more than that, you know, it started, I think it was in, it was either free practice one or free practice two, but it was Friday. Um, He actually overshot his pit box and hit the front Jackman. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I suspect, and I haven't heard anything, he's probably going to get fined for that because it's normally... The penalty for when a driver hits one of their their pit crew, um, and then he hit the wall coming in during qualifying. He hit the wall twice in qualifying. Um, once on the way in, which and, and at the end of the session, he spun out again and damaged the rear wing. Oh. Um, but one of the things that you know, you look at this weekend and you look at some of the other things that have happened this year, and yes. It is a closer race than he has had since at least 2016, if not further back. So he is feeling more pressure than he has felt in a while. Mm -hmm. But I also think this year, he's been making a lot more mistakes than he has in previous years. And it's starting to make me wonder if, while yes, he is still an amazing driver, yes, he is still arguably one of if not the best drivers on the grid and if he's not the best he's within you know one place of the best on the grid are we starting to see a lewis hamilton who is not fully at the top of his game well is what i'm starting to wonder this year That is a really incredibly difficult question. Mm-hmm. And one that as a to the core Lewis fan is emotionally hard to answer. Because as much as I can tell you, he's, yes, I admit that he is doing things that are atypical of the Lewis that we have been seeing in recent years. Fairly typical. I mean, if you kind of look across Lewis's entire career, he's had ups, he's had downs, yeah, all of those things. But he hit a stride in these last few years where it was like, but on it and on it solid. 
And I will admit, hitting the wall and hitting a jack man, I mean, we're also talking about St. Louis that pulled into the wrong pit box when he first started for Mercedes. So, you know, these things happen. But the other side of that is there's also been some bad strategy calls this year. So not there have, all and we of know these that things, Mercedes doesn't do well under pressure. These all of these things are not solely that Lewis on Lewis, but he is one of the elder statesmen now on the grid, and I think age does have a factor. Um, and I'm thinking I think that we're starting to see that factor play a, a bigger piece than we've ever seen it before. And, and you know, I, I bring it up because two years ago, three years ago, even four years ago, we, you know, everyone's saying, I think this is Lewis at the top of his game. We weren't seeing errors. We weren't mm-hmm. seeing mistakes. We weren't seeing incidents. When something happened that involved Lewis, he was almost never the cause of it. He was, a, he was a bystander or it was a team that screwed up or something along those lines. And even he was making calls around strategy from what he could see that were spot on in the right time. Mm-hmm. And we have not seen that in the last two years as consistently. You know, we've seen him blowing past a, a red flag in Monza and, and, and entering a pit lane that was closed and some of these other things that it's like or, or the practice starts where they've never taken practice starts before and, and things like that. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is this is not the Lewis Hamilton we've seen in the past. I, I will grant you. Now, I can say that and still in the same sentence still tell you that I fervently believe Lewis is currently the goat. And and I, I that I, that won't change. I mean and as much as the 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 part of me that says, yeah, there may be something here. It may be just He's struggling more. Something else is going on. All of those things. It's still the one thing I keep rooting for him is that eighth championship. Because I think that once he tops that one, it's like the last domino of all of these records he's held. It's the last domino for him to be able to stand on that that spot all by himself. He currently can't stand on the world champion count spot by himself. He can't, but he also has more victories than any other driver. He has more victories, more pole positions. So, more than, I mean, he's got the top of every other major stat out there except world championships. And how long he's been racing because Kimi outpaces him with that too. Well, yes. He, right. He is not the longest racer. But he's had more success than Kimi and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. He's had more successful racing. But, he I mean, this is the longest we've gone without a win. You know, it's in, in recent history. I mean, he's, he's not making the polls that he used to make. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hear you. I don't want to hear you, though. That's the reality. The emotional side doesn't want to hear it. I, I want him to have the eighth championship. Now, to be honest... 
I want him to have the eighth championship and retire. Well, yeah. Because I'm looking at some of these younger kids that are coming up and I'm ready to start cheering for them too. And today was hard for me. It was really emotionally hard because I'm a huge Lando Norris fan. I think he's got a great personality. I think he's got a great attitude to racing. He's accessible. Mm -hmm. He's the kid that you want to cheer on. He's gawky and awkward and fantastic all at the same time. And I, I want him to win. I want him to have that first victory. Just as much as I, I, you you cheer for George because poor kid, if he hasn't had bad luck, it's not he's had none. You cheer for them. You you want Signs Junior to make his daddy proud. You know. Oh, he did that the day he signed for Ferrari. Um, well, yes, but you want him to win something yeah. for 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 that. You know, I look at Max, and Max is a great driver. But I don't like him. He's not a likable driver. That, and that's the thing. Um, you know, and it's, but I'm cheering for some of these young drivers. And it's hard to cheer for, for a Norris when he's in front of Lewis. You know, that's hard. I want Ricardo to come back to his stride again. Yeah. Um, because, again, likable driver. You want him to win. Mm-hmm. But you don't want him to beat Lewis. You want Lewis to get his eighth. Like, get Lewis his eighth, and then I can share for somebody else. Okay. All right, so last couple stories. Okay. Um, even though we don't have a calendar yet, we don't officially, we've got some theories, we don't officially know what it looks like, we now have a second, and I don't recall this ever happening before, that circuits have come out and said, Oh, yeah, you don't have a calendar yet, but we know when we're going to be racing. (laughs) So Miami has come out and said that they will be racing or or that they their race weekend will be May 6th to the 8th. Okay. So before it gets stupid hot and humid in Florida, probably. It's still going to be hot and humid. It it starts to. Yeah, it's going to be warm. Um, I have been seeing some pictures coming because you know it, it this is pro robbie stadium it's a race in a parking lot yeah but since it's pro robbie stadium actually it's hard rock pro robbie stadium now okay because now it, it hard rock is there um but since it is the home of the miami dolphins and it is football season the football fans are taking pictures of the construction work of the track being built so we do know that activity is happening around track construction okay So do we know if there's like wall, silence walls being put up or like decibel meters being set up there? Because like there's the whole issue with the CO2 emissions and like the noise concerns of having an F1 race down in Miami. So we haven't seen them as of yet. I don't but it's know a exactly. process, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a process and things are going on. You know, they, they have to make sure that the... They test out the easy pass lanes on the ramp from the Florida Turnpike to make sure that the cars, you know, they... they Where the, are they the going to attach the sensors properly. on the easy pass lane? Are they going to put it on the halo? Well, so what they can do, because remember, they've got the um, the ones that fit on the license plate. 
Mm. So, so they can go with those little ones and they can either mount them on the wings by the camera or they could, yeah, they could put them probably under the halo or actually, you know where they're going to put it because, because it's on the driver's helmet. No, it's where they mount the camera on that T, that T bar over the air intake. That's where it'll go. Oh, but they got to make sure that, that it's the high speed, easy pass readers in the toll booth so that it's not a problem. Are they actually going to get on the turnpike or are they using the on ramp? No, actually. They're going, you'll actually probably see the toll plazas because they run alongside oh and then my. under those ramps. Oh my. So, so they'll be get... adjacent to the the exit ramps from Florida's Turnpike into the stadium. So they're going to get to see some of the nicer sites in Florida. It's Miami Gardens. There's no nicer sites. Ouch. That's what they're going to see. Anyway, um... Stefano Domenicali has also confirmed that um, even though we don't have a calendar yet, Monaco will be a three-day race weekend next year. Whoa. Not a four-day weekend. Whoa. Yeah, that, that's a big shift. He hasn't said why or how, and this was talking to CNN earlier this week. Um, he said it'll be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday instead of a Thursday, a whole, then Saturday and Sunday. Um, he confirms that the plan is to stage a 23 race calendar again next year. Um, but they want to end the season earlier than this year, which makes a whole lot of sense since we're what second week of December. Yeah. Um, the plan is to present the calendar to, uh, the world council for motorsport for autosport on October 15th. So, Hopefully, in the near future, we'll find out what that calendar looks like. I hope it's written in pencil. Yeah. And, you know, we still don't know what the TBC slot is for this year. Still expecting that it's going to be Cutter, but it hasn't been announced yet. And Turkey has apparently come off the red list. Oh. Aren't they, like, playing hokey pokey with the red list? They go on, they come off, they go on, they come off. Yeah, well, you know, it all depends on, on the... The numbers. Gotta follow the science. <laughs> and then our last story. Really odd comments from Netflix CEO Reed Hastings. And why Netflix is important. Obviously is because it drives to survive in Schumacher. Um, Reed Hastings was talking to Der Spiegel in Germany. Um, they were talking to him about Amazon apparently has some new deals around uh, streaming live sports. Uh, I think they're taking, they're going to be streaming uh, Bundesliga soccer and a couple of other sports. So they asked Reed about whether or not Netflix would consider going into live broadcast of sport. And Reed said that they would only consider it if they had control of the source. Hmm. So what his full comments were, and this is what was really interesting. He said, with sports broadcasts, we have no control over the source. We don't own the Bundesliga, which can make deals with whomever it wants. But this kind of control would be a prerequisite for us to be able to offer our customers a secure deal. And this is where he pivots. A few years ago, the rights to Formula One were sold. At that time, we were not among the bidders. But today, we would think about it. So it's that idea that 
we'd have an interest in broadcasting a sport if we owned it so that a they could control you know you want to have formula one in your country it's coming in off of netflix Mm -hmm. very interesting but you could read that convert that comment two different ways Mm -hmm. it also could be taken you know as we've seen the success of drive to survive we've seen the success of schumacher well that's some of it too if you know we didn't know that there was the pull when it came up for sale the last time we you know it you could also read that comment as we missed that as it was there it was open and well, we didn't we weren't one of those bidders but look at all the stuff that we've done since and wow there's a there's popularity to this but but it's also okay look at it from a netflix perspective you know they they haven't done anything like that before mm-hmm. they, this was at the time a sport that didn't want to really do anything with streaming exactly their, their online offering stunk they didn't want to you know release any of their historic video archives anything like that they guarded that stuff zealously and it wasn't until new owners came in with a willingness to try all of this stuff that all of a sudden netflix was like oh there might actually be something here and the reality is netflix drive to survive has single-handedly brought in more new viewers Mm -hmm. into formula one especially in the american market yep um so i mean it's been a a huge success and a good partnership but i hear that comment saying we didn't know what was there yeah and if it came up again we definitely that wasn't me Mm -hmm. um we definitely be interested in it and that's, I think that's a little bit different than the, you know, Netflix is sniffing around to see if it's for sale. Well. Which is what I think that the color looks like. And, but I, I think that was part of the reason why they brought it up, though, because there have been some rumors that maybe Liberty might be looking to move on. Hmm. If that was the case, well, yeah, Reed Hastings, and he's not a dumb guy. Nope. Um, Reed Hastings could be going and dropping these feelers out of, you know, if you want to talk, you know, call me. You, you, call me. Stefano has his number. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure actually Stefano does have his number. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure. And unlike me, Stefano probably takes Reed's calls. Yeah. Um, and on that bombshell. We'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Are they all gone? Is is everybody gone? (laughs) Huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay. Whew.